grace, peace, and blessings in the name of our risen, redeeming, and returning Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. This is the day that the Lord hath made, and of course, we are rejoicing, and we are glad in it. I greet you this Tuesday morning, and I'm certainly grateful and thankful to have the opportunity to connect with you for another walk through the Word of God as we continue our study of the book of Leviticus. As you can tell, we are in a different location this morning for Bible study. Um, our studio at the church is undergoing some technological upgrades this morning. So for that cause, uh, we've had to sort of adjust a little bit, but nevertheless, I'm thankful that we are still able to share the word of God with you. I want to invite you now to grab your uh, study material. Make sure you've got your Bible and your note taking material. And of course, uh, make sure that you have the handout. We have a brand new handout as we are beginning a brand new unit. Uh, in our study of the book of Leviticus as we continue our study of setting sights on spiritual standards. For the last few weeks, we've been dealing with our standard of worship, and uh, we're going to take another turn and look at something even the more powerful, and I believe is going to be helpful to us as we gain more knowledge and understanding of the standards that were set for the people then that can still apply to us now. But before we get started, we definitely got to take a moment and pray and seek God's face. So I would invite you now to join me now. Let's pray together and let's invite God's presence into our time of study of the word of God. Join me now with join with me now in prayer. Most holy and all wise God, we come before you now telling you, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for waking us up this morning, starting us on our day, on our way, giving us a brand new day of life and living. God, I'm asking right now, first and foremost, that you would forgive us for anything we've done, said, or thought that was not pleasing in your sight. As always, creating us clean hearts and renew within us right spirits that we may do, say, and think those things that bring glory and not shame to your name. God, I'm asking right now, as always, for clarity of speech and clarity of thought. Lead me and guide me that I might rightfully divide your word and properly teach your word to your people today. I realize, God, that I've studied, but I can't do this without you. So, God, I pray now that you would come in, take total control of my thoughts, take total control of my words, take total control of my speech, oh God. Let everything that is done in these next few moments be found pleasing in your sight. This is my prayer. I offer it now in the name of Jesus. We pray and we praise. Amen. Amen. And amen to God be all of the glory. We are certainly thankful and we are blessed to be able to connect with you on this morning. So as I forestated this morning, we're beginning a brand new unit. Um, as it relates to our study of the book of Leviticus. Uh, last week, we wrapped up our study of the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus as we talked about the different offerings that were offered as a part of Israel's worship, the nation of Israel's worship to God. And so in today's session, we're going to move forward. We're going to take a look at chapters eight, nine, and 10. Uh, we're going to begin there as we take a look discussing the standards for spiritual leadership. When we talk about the standards for spiritual leadership, what exactly are we trying to get at? Where are we trying to go? What's the points that we're trying to get over? Um, in this particular setting, we are going to see, if you will, a review of chapters 28 through the basically the end of the book of Exodus, as we see the study of the ordination of the priest, we're going to see how that applies to us. And we're going to see the level to which it does apply. What is the message that we're trying to get over uh, in these particular chapters? And there are basically three things we want to try to get over. Uh, in this particular study of these three chapters of the book of Leviticus. Once again, the handout covers all three chapters, so you'll definitely want to hold on to it and walk with us as we walk through the word of God together. 
Let's begin by talking about the introduction. Let's set the stage for what we are going to talk about. All right. Under the old covenant, you understand that God had a priesthood. God's people had a priesthood and that priesthood was the mediator. They were the connector between the people and God. Anytime the people had something to offer God, to sacrifice before God, they gave it to the priest and the priest did it on their behalf. Now, the good news is for us, uh, Jesus Christ has taken the place of the priest and he has become our high priest. And so because he is our high priest, according to Hebrews chapter 10, we now can approach God through Jesus Christ. So the method is still the same, even though the, the mission rather is still the same, even though the method has changed. And so we want to talk about this and we want to look at it from a biblical standpoint, because keep in mind, beloveds, as we call ourselves the New Testament church, hold on to the fact that everything we do as New Testament believers is founded upon Old Testament principles. I pray that you see that thus far in our study of uh, the books of Genesis and Exodus. And now as we're moving into Leviticus, everything that was done, <coughs> excuse me, everything that was done or is done now is based upon something that took place in the Old Testament. I think we talked about that last week when we talked about that fellowship meal. Do you all not realize that the fellowship meal is the foundational piece for which we actually celebrate and serve communion or Holy communion or the Lord's supper. It was basically a means to remember the sacrifice that Christ will make for us. So let's, let's dive in. Let's jump right in. Let's jump right in, uh, by looking at the introduction. There are four points to our introduction that I really want us to say. Um, here's the first one. Here's the first point that I want you to say. These chapters that we are about to study chapters eight, nine, and 10 focus on the ordination ceremony of Aaron and his sons. Now, if you would remember, that goes back to chapters 28 and 29 of the book of Exodus, all right? Those eight days of consecration and ordination for Aaron and his sons, all right? We remember that as the priest, they had the responsibility of approaching God. Remember in Exodus, we talked about the fact that God had given Moses explicit, and I mean detailed instructions for the ordination ceremony. And we're going to basically review that again. How do we review that? Remember what I shared with us as we began the book of Leviticus, that Leviticus is the action to God's instruction in the book of Exodus. Let me say that again. Leviticus is the book of action the book of action that basically completes the instruction that God gave in the book of Exodus. All right. So I need to make sure that as we walk through that, we are holding on to that principle. All right. Uh, the second point of the introduction as God's chosen priest, as, as God's chosen priest, Aaron, uh, uh, and his sons had three solemn responsibilities. They had three responsibilities. Here are the three responsibilities. Now they had to, first of all, submit to God's authority, which is what we're going to cover today. Chapter eight basically deals with their desire and their need to submit to God's authority. The, the ordination process, the eight day ordination process is outlined in chapter eight. And we're going to take a look at that. Next week, if the Lord shall say the same, we'll jump into chapter nine. And in chapter nine comes the second piece, the second responsibility of the priest. The second responsibility was to reveal God's glory. 
in chapter nine. We're going to see that as we walk through it. And then in chapter 10, we're gonna see the classic story of Nadab and Abihu's rebellion against God's instructions. And because of their rebellion against God's instructions, uh, letter C under point number two of the introduction, we're going to see that as the priest, just as much as they had to submit to authority and reveal God's glory, they had to be willing to accept God's discipline. There's another very important piece that I wanna make sure that you grab as we connect the Old Testament with the New Testament, all right? I wanna make sure that you understand that there is a difference between the old covenant, which is based upon law, and the new covenant, which is based upon grace, all right? Here is the difference. Number three, under the uh, handout of the introduction. Under the old covenant, God's people had a priesthood. God's people had a priesthood. God's desire for them was to be a kingdom of priests. All right, and we're gonna take a look at that in just a minute. I'm gonna reference a verse of scripture here in just a moment that shows proof to that, that God originally designed his people to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, but because of their disobedience, they missed out on it. God's people under the old covenant had a priesthood, but under the new covenant, beloveds, which is where we fall, God's people are the priesthood. Look with me there as you see it on the screen. First Peter chapter two, um, verse five and verse nine. You see it there? You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Look at this, to be a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then in verse nine, Peter goes so far as to tell us, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. The difference here, beloveds, and this is the thing that we must understand, every believer uh, who has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, every believer who has been washed from their own sins, according to Revelation chapter one, verse five and six, everyone who has loved him and has been washed from their sins in his blood has been made to be kings and priests to God and the Father. That's Revelation chapter one, verses five and six. We are called, according to 1 Peter chapter two, to be a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We are called to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. Now, I know someone may say, well, pastor, please help me understand what is the difference between us now compared to us then? I am so glad you asked. It's point number four of your handout of the introduction. Look at it right here with me. According to Exodus chapter 19, we're going back to the book of Exodus. <clears throat> According to Exodus chapter 19, verse six, the nation of Israel were to be a kingdom of priests. They were to be a kingdom of priests. Look at, look at Exodus chapter 19, verses five and six, right under the, the, the point there on the screen. You see it there? Now, therefore, this is God talking. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people, for all the earth is mine. Y'all see it? Look at verse six. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So what happened? They became disobedient. Can I, can I, let me show you how they became disobedient. 
Go back to the book of Exodus. If you would notice here, this is what takes place just before the law was given. All right. What happened while God was talking to Moses, giving the law to Moses? Y'all remember what the people were doing. The people were down there becoming impatient because Moses was taking too long. Come on, somebody, please see the revelation. Moses was taking too long. And what did they end up doing? They ended up beginning to develop and make their own God. They took the jewelry. Come on now. They took the spoil that God allowed the Egyptians to give them when they came out of slavery to develop their own God. Somebody please catch it. Please catch it. Because how many times have we taken God's blessings and done something with it that went against what God said? How many times have we taken God's favor upon ourselves and done something with it that brought more glory to our name and more shame to his? All right. Look at what he said. He said, if you will obey my voice, they didn't do that. If you would keep my covenant, they didn't do that. All right. The Ten Commandments, the covenant, they didn't do that. That's one of the reasons why when you get to chapter 24 of the book of Exodus, you see God giving them another chance and setting before them. Y'all remember it. And he said to them, if you will do this. And they said in chapter 24, God, everything you tell us, that's what we will do. And less than a few days after they did that with God, they violated it. All right. The nation of Israel was to be a kingdom of priests, but they needed priests because of their own disobedience. So that brings us right into today's lesson as we take a look at the need for the priest, the setting the standards for spiritual leadership. I'm trying to make this thing relevant to where we are, um, per pertaining especially to the church in the 21st century, all right? How does this relate to us, all right? Every church has spiritual leadership. God has ordained it to be so that every church has a priest. We call them the pastor, the one that speaks to us on God's behalf. I identify the pastor as God's mailman. That is the one that takes the mail that God gives them and delivers it to the people. What is the purpose of the mailman? The mailman is to speak as God has directed. Today's pastor is the current prophet, all right? And I've often said this and will continue to say it. Oftentimes we have gotten this concept of prophecy confused with the gift of revelation knowledge. A true prophet speaks what God has spoken, amen. It has nothing to do, and I know some folks are gonna question this, but study the spiritual gifts. A prophet speaks as God directs. As a matter of fact, a prophet should speak in alignment with the word of God. You know, I don't want us to get it twisted because every time I stand behind the sacred desk and preach God's word, I'm operating in the role of the prophet. Amen. Therefore, we have to be also oh careful about people who are trying to be impressive by using a title that they do not understand. I, I'm just going to help us in here. I want to help us to understand. So the priest was the prophet. He spoke as God gave instruction, but also the priest uh, is the one that also spoke to God on behalf of the people. There was a need for them to be holy, to be righteous, to have a right frame of mind, to have a right spirit. And all of that is equally important in today's day and time, all right? What is the standard according to Leviticus 8, 9, and 10 
for spiritual leadership. The same standards I believe connect for today. Point number one from the lesson points. Point number one, spiritual leadership must submit to God's authority. They must submit to God's authority. I need us to see something here. I need us to see something. In chapter eight, in Leviticus chapter number eight, verses one through 36 is where we're going to camp out today. And of course, I will not read the entire chapter verse by verse, line by line, but I am going to reference uh, some of the verses from the chapter. One of the things that I wanna point out to you already in chapter eight is that at least, uh, at least 20 times, in chapters eight, nine, and 10, we're going to find the words and God commanded or and the Lord commanded, all right? The same God who instructed Moses on how to build the tabernacle in the book of Exodus now comes to tell him how to ordain the priest and how the priest were to serve in the tabernacle. Letter A under point one, we must understand that chapter eight is the completion of the instructions. Remember we said Leviticus is a book of action compared to the instruction in Exodus, all right? Chapter eight is the completion of the instructions God gave Moses pertaining to the ordination of the priest in Exodus chapter 28 and 29. In so many words, as we've all always said and always talked about, God is a God of specifics. He does not leave anything out. He does not leave a stone unturned. Moses was to do everything according to what God had shown him in the book of Exodus on the Mount, all right? In other words, basically, whatever God said for Moses to do, Moses had to do it. And if I could make this thing live for us today, I wanna make it live by making sure that we understand that it is the same in today's day and time. Spiritual leadership must be found walking in total obedience to what God has said. We must submit to God's instructions. We must be the action to the instruction that has been given. Whatever God says, that's what we will, we will be found doing. Spiritual leadership, spiritual leadership, even in today's day and time, your pastor, your spiritual leader is one who must constantly in prayer, in study, and in meditation, ask God, what does the scripture say? All right. And when you follow the word of God, you will quickly come to discover that God has not left us in the dark as to who the church is or what the church is supposed to be doing or how the church is supposed to be led. But what happens is much like we will find in chapter 10 of Leviticus is when people try to substitute God's word for what we think. Isaiah chapter eight, verse 20 is a good reference of that. As a matter of fact, we got time. We got time. Let's go there real quick. Isaiah chapter eight, verse 20 shows us a very prominent issue that is still alive in the church today. Amen. It is still alive in the church today. Look at this. Look at this. Matter of fact, let me, let me go back and let me read beginning at verse uh, 16 and leading up to verse 20. All right. Isaiah chapter eight, verses 16 through 20, bind up the testimony, English standard version, seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. And I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents uh, in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and murder, 
and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Let me read that much again. Verse, verse, verse 19, and they will say unto you, who? The people, the children of the Lord will say unto you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of the Lord? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Come on, somebody. Verse 20, to the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to his word, it is because they have no dawn. If we substitute God's word for our word, if we substitute God's word for our opinions, if we are so busy in church, and I'm gonna say this and somebody may not like it, but the truth ought to convict and correct. If we are so busy trying to tell people what we think instead of what God says, and then we get mad because we can't have our way, the word of God says, according to Isaiah chapter eight, verse 20, we are in the dark. What are you saying, pastor? The church needs leaders who will spend time with God and find out from God what God wants his people to do. I often think about something Dr. Rita Twiggs shared with me many, many years ago. Dr. Rita Twiggs said, Worthy, always remember that no matter how crazy they are, no matter how difficult they can be, never forget God's folks are God's folks. And you must serve them as you serve God. Spiritual leadership seeks to serve God. And when you serve God, look at what he says. He says, I will make your enemy become your footstool. People of God, let me share this with you. Hear my heart as a pastor and a leader. I got to tell you what God says. I've got to do what God says. I've got to walk according to what God says. And anybody who has a problem with it has got to learn how to take it up with God. Because if you're trying to fight me, you're coming against the wrong thing. We are found, spiritual leadership must be like Moses, being the action to the instruction. We must be found doing what God says do, when God says do it, how God says do it, and then remember what he says to Jeremiah. Be not afraid of their faces. You do what I tell you to do. And if you do what I tell you to do, I will be with you. So, so we see it here. We see it here. Here's, here is the order of the ordination that is found in chapter eight. I just want to put this up and let you see it uh, for just a moment. And we're going to actually, I'm going to take it from a life application standpoint in my remaining moments this morning. But here is the order that we see, the order of ordination that takes place for Aaron and his sons. Now keep in mind, beloveds, that chapter eight is a eight day process. It is an eight day process, all right? I need you to hold on to that, all right? According to verses one through five, the assembly is called. That's where they all began. The assembly is called. In verse six, Aaron and his sons are fully bathed. They are washed from head to toe. All right. Remember, this goes back to Exodus chapter 38, where the priests were ceremonially, ceremonially bathed all over. All right. And then after they were bathed all over going forward, according to chapter 30, every time they entered or served the tabernacle, they had to wash their hands and their feet. All right. In verses seven through nine, Aaron is clothed as the high priest. There were linen garments. You remember this? I should, probably should have put it on the uh, on the handout and on this on the slide. I probably should have put it up there so you could see it and really know what was taking place. Um, but there, this is where Exodus chapter 28 takes place, verses 42 and 43, where they were in their special garments, all right? 
the the white coat was tied to the sash. This goes back to Exodus chapter 28. Um, verses 42 and 43. You might want to write that scripture down where he was put on the, the robe and then the ephod and then the, the turban that had the banner across it that simply said, holy to the Lord. He was properly dressed. All right. And then let's move on in verses 10 through 12. Uh, we see that the tabernacle was anointed. Uh, Aaron was anointed. Remember in Exodus chapter 30, we talked about that special anointing oil that was only used in the tabernacle. It could not be used anywhere else. This is where that anointing oil was actually done and carried out. All right. In verse 13, we see the clothing of Aaron's sons. All right. They, they still had linen coats and turbans. They were not dressed as Aaron was because Aaron was the high priest. But because they served in the tabernacle among him, they had to put on special clothing and special garments. The bulk of chapter eight, verses 14 through 29, deal with the sacrifices that were offered. We talked about that a great deal uh, last week, over the last few weeks, as we've dealt with the different offerings that were done, the consecration of the priest, uh, where the priest, according to um, Exodus chapter 30, was anointed the right ear, the right thumb, and the uh, uh, big toe of Aaron and his sons were anointed, which symbolized that, that they had been set apart to hear God's voice, do God's work, and walk in God's ways. All right, uh, let's wrap up the chapter. In, in verse number 30, we see that the priests are anointed with blood. All right, now Aaron in verse 12 had been anointed by oil, but now he and his sons were sprinkled with oil and the blood from sacrifices that were taken from the altar. All right. This represented the fact that they had been sanctified. They had been set apart for an exclusive, for a special work. All right. Neither the priest nor what they could be used for could be done for anything common. Remember when we began our study of the book of Leviticus, we talked about the difference between the, the common, the holy, and the profane. The profane could not be used by God because it was dirty. It, was, it just could not, all right? The everyday, the common, were those things that they use in everyday life. It wasn't anything wrong with it, but it just wasn't special enough to be offered to God. Those things that were special to be offered to God were considered holy unto God. All right. Which leads us to the final piece of chapter eight, verses 31 through 36, uh, where the ordination meal was eaten, often known also as the fellowship meal. Each day for the remaining seven days after the ordination, According to Exodus chapter 29, verses 35 and 36, the priests would eat the meat of the ram that was offered as a sacrifice and his blood was poured on the altar. All right. They did that every day for seven days. All right. Thus, we see in chapter eight, the ordination process, the eight day ordination process being carried out throughout chapter eight. But allow me to take the remaining moments of our time of sharing today to make this live. How do we make this live, Pastor? What, what is the message that is found in chapter eight as we realize that we must, as spiritual leaders, as spiritual priests, as the pastor, as the under-shepherd, how does this applied to us as pastors being those who submit themselves to God. It's found right here in chapter eight. There are seven points that I want to share with you. Letter B under point number two, leadership that is submitted to God. 
Leadership that is submitted to God must do seven things. All right. Here's the first one. Number one, point one under letter B, leadership that is submitted to God serves God and seeks to please him while serving his people. A true leader must be found serving God by serving the people. Now, let me stop right here and let me make something very clear, all right? Please understand that as your pastor, as your servant leader, I serve God by leading you. I wanna say that again, because I don't want anybody to get it twisted. I serve God. Every God called, God set apart, God ordained pastor has been called to serve God by serving the people, all right? You find that in the first five verses of chapter eight, in the first five verses of chapter eight, where God tells Moses, look, I need you to take Aaron's sons, take the garments, take the anointing oil, take the bull of the sin offering, the two rams from the basket of unleavened bread, and you set all of that together and call the people in. Why were the people called in for the ordination? It was there to make sure the people understood that Aaron had been set apart to serve God by serving as their mediator, as their priest, as their messenger. True spiritual leadership, beloved, is found submitting to God by serving the people, by being the voice of of the people, by being the voice of God before the people by being God's mailman. Amen, somebody. I need us to understand that. Your pastor, and and I'm saying this perhaps because there are others from other churches who are watching. We've got folks across the world that watch our Bible study. Please understand, your pastor is not your hireling. You need to get rid of that mindset, that thought process, and even that spirit. We can hire him, we can fire him. The devil is a lie. That is so, erroneous compared to scripture. Jeremiah 3.15 says, God says, I'll give you pastors after my heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 makes it abundantly clear that the Holy Spirit, not the people, made him the overseer. Now, some may say, well, pastor, we we had an election. We voted you in so we can vote you out. Be careful with that. And I'm going to caution a spirit that wants to think that. Be careful with that because these folks are going to find out later that they made that same move and ended up with a wicked king. Come on, somebody. They ended up with they wanted Saul. Come on. And they wanted Saul basically for two reasons. One, they wanted Saul because everybody else had a king. But secondly, they wanted Saul based on appearance, based on what you see. All right. We've got to be willing to understand that true Christian leadership is the one that follows Christ and then encourages you to follow them as they follow Christ. You often hear me say it. I used to hear my dad say it all the time. Follow me as I follow Christ. And when I stop following Christ, you've got every right reason in the world to stop following me. Amen. Amen. They serve God and seek to please God while serving God's people. It's all God. Amen. Point number two under letter B. Uh, spiritual leadership, leadership that is submitted to God, make sure that their walk remains clean as they meditate on the word of God. Your walk, my walk must remain pure. According to Psalm 37, Psalm 37 says that my steps are ordered by the word of God and God takes delight in my way, in his way. Though I may fall, I will not be utterly cast down. 
Why? The Lord is continuing to uphold me. Even when I don't do it right, even when I fall short, even when I make mistakes, you know, some folk want to destroy you because you don't meet their mark. But aren't you glad that your mark is not their mark? Your mark is based upon what God says. Let me let me give you a word of encouragement. Can I can I encourage somebody today? You are everything God says you are. Mm. You can do everything God says you can do. And as long as you do it God's way, according to God's will and God's word, no man can stop you from doing what God has commissioned you to do. Amen. Spiritual leadership must be one who submits to God and then keep your walk clean. True religion, James chapter one, and undefiled before God is this, to, to, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their time of trouble. But he also said, you must keep yourself unspotted from the world. Amen. As preachers of the gospel, we've got to strive every day. I'm thinking about the late Miss Lucille McNeil, who was a part of my home church. I never forget it. When I first started preaching, she always said to me, young man, keep your hands clean. And the only way that you can keep your hands clean is be, be found doing what God said do. Amen. Amen. Third thing, number three, I'm moving right along. My time is just about done. Third point, third point, number three under letter B, leadership that is submitted to God is clothed in God's grace. It is clothed in God's grace. Now, think about this as we look at verses seven through nine of Leviticus chapter eight. Look at this and think about it. Think about it for what it is worth. There was a reason why Aaron was dressed the way he was dressed. There was a reason why, all right? Uh, and I want to share it with you. Look, look, look at it real quick. Let's look at it real quick. Leviticus chapter eight. Let's look at verses seven uh, through nine. Leviticus chapter eight, verses seven through nine. The word of God says that he placed, verse eight rather, uh, he placed the breast piece on him. Matter of fact, let me go back and pick up verse seven. I don't want to leave anything out. Let me, let me pick up verse seven, Leviticus chapter eight, verses seven, eight and nine. Look at it. Look at it real quick. Look at it real quick. Y'all see it there in verse seven, eight and nine, the word of God says, and he put the coat on him and tied the sash around him, his waist and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. And he placed the breast piece on him. And in the breast piece was the Urim and the Thummim. You remember those two stones that were there to remind him of who he was and who he served. Verse nine says, they put the turban on his head and on the turban, they set a golden plate, the holy crown that basically signified that he was holy unto the Lord. See, Every spiritual leader, beloveds, must understand that we are clothed with God's anointing for a purpose. When I stand to deliver God's word and share God's word, it has nothing to do with me. At that moment, I have been set apart for holy work. And the only way that I can properly fulfill it is I've got to come in with the right heart the right mind. Did we not just talk about that? That they had to be clean. How are we clean? We are clean through the word of God. Someone says, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Yeah, when we allow God to take control of us, 
Point number four, number four under letter B. This leads me right into it. When we allow God to take control of us as spiritual leadership, we are then anointed by the spirit of God. We are anointed by the spirit of God. In verses 10 through 12, we see that. After Aaron was properly dressed as the high priest, after he was properly dressed with garments so that the people would know that he had been laid apart and set apart for this work. Look at this in verses 10, 11, and 12, he was anointed with oil. Mm. Remember this now in scripture, oil is a symbol of the spirit of God. Uh-huh. It is an sign that you have been set apart. God's spirit rests on you. God's spirit lives in you. Can I make it live this morning? Every church needs a leader who has been anointed by God's spirit and not inundated with people's opinions. Good God Almighty, that, that blessed me. Let me say it again. You need a leader. You need a pastor that's going to hear God before he follows people. You need a pastor that's going to seek God, seek God's face in prayer, seek God's will through study, and prepare yourself to do it God's way. Because when you do it God's way, you'll never come out wrong. Amen? Amen. Point number five, point number five, letter number five uh, under letter B, leadership that is submitted to God, serves God by seeking to please him by serving his people. The walk is clean as they study the word of God. They are clothed in the grace of God. They are anointed by the spirit of God. But then number five, they are set apart to hear God's voice. They are set apart to hear God's voice, to do God's work, mm -hmm, and to walk in God's ways. In verses 14 through 29, we see that with Aaron and, and the priests. We see that, that they offered the bullock for the sin offering and the sons made possible, they made possible the cleansing of their sins. Let me read that again. I'm reading my notes too fast. The bullock for the sin offering for Aaron and his sons made possible the cleansing of their sins. While the ram that God told Moses to gather symbolizes their total dedication to the Lord and the blood from the sin offering sanctified the altar. What are you saying to me, pastor? Here's what I'm saying. Once God has cleansed us as spiritual leadership, and once God has anointed us with his Holy Spirit, we have been set apart to hear what God says, to do what God says, and to walk in what God says. Why are we doing that? It becomes our assignment before the people to make sure the people are hearing what God said, doing what God said and walking according to what God says. Now, if you're not hearing God's voice, you're not doing God's work and you're not walking in God's ways, you might need to check your relationship with God. Make sure you're in the right place because according to Psalm 133, the Bible makes it clear that the anointing starts at the head. How good, how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the anointing that fell upon Aaron's head and ran down Aaron's beard, even to the skirts of his garments. Come on now. And that simply means that in order for you to get dripping from the anointing that comes from the priest, you have to be properly positioned underneath that covering, that instruction, that anointing that comes from the priest. Let me help somebody. And this is good teaching right here. Please understand, beloveds, the anointing doesn't run from the floor up. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Can I say that again? The anointing does not run from the floor up. The anointing runs from the head down. 
And so if you want to be able to catch drippings of the anointing, according to Psalm 133, you have to submit yourself to God by submitting yourself to godly leadership. You might not like everything I say. You might not like everything I do. You might not agree with how I do what I do. But here's the thing, y'all, and I'm not trying to come over arrogantly, but I am presenting truth. The truth of the matter is God didn't call you. God called someone else. God called a leader. And only through submitting yourself through the leader to the leader will you witness God's best and God's favor. I know I'm right. I just read it right in the word of God, right in the word of God. We got to learn how to submit to godly leadership as godly leadership submits themselves to God. Leadership that is submitted to God serves God and seeks to please God by serving God's people. Their walk is clean as they meditate on the word. They are clothed in the grace of God, which simply means that because they are clothed in God's grace, you can't always bring up their faults. God's grace is covering. They are anointed by God's spirit. They have been set apart to hear God's voice, do God's work and walk in God's ways. Number six, and I'm almost done. Let me hit the last two. Number six, they have been sanctified for holy usage. They belong totally to God, totally to God, totally to God. Look with me at, at verse 30. I'm gonna put verse 30 on the screen. Look with me at verse 30. Verse 30, uh, Leviticus chapter uh, uh, eight, Let's move there. Thank you. Uh, verse 30, verse 30. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments and also on his sons and his son's garments. So he consecrated Aaron, y'all see it, and his garments and his sons and his son's garments with him. Not only the garments are set apart, not only are the garments sanctified, or not only do the garments belong to God, the individual that wore the garment belonged to God as well. People of God, I'm trying to make sure that you understand as I get ready to wrap up today, please understand that spiritual leadership must be submitted to God. It must serve God. It must serve God by seeking to please him by serving his people. They must be clean. Their walk must be clean. Romans chapter 10, uh, I believe it's verse 14, 15, somewhere there where it says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We got to make sure every day of my life, I have to ask God, keep my walk pure, keep my mind pure, keep my thoughts pure. I often challenge and in mentoring the next generation of young preachers, I often tell them all the time, you don't have to be street to win folks in the street. You can be scriptural and present the gospel in such a way that it wins the world. Amen. Amen. They are sanctified for holy use. They belong totally to God. And seventh and finally, they are completely dedicated to the Lord. They are set apart. They are set apart. The priests belong to God. The priests belong to God. This whole eight day process that we have seen in chapter eight is a representative of the fact that everything that was done signified the priest's total dedication to God. I understand that I have a charge to keep. I realize I've got a God to glorify who gave his son my soul to save and fitted for the sky. I've got to serve the present age, y'all. My calling to fulfill. Oh, may it all. My power engage to do the master's will. Next week, we're going to pick it up. 
We're going to stop here as we wrapped up chapter eight. Next week is a relatively short lesson. We're going to take a look at chapter nine in understanding the ministry of leadership, understanding what was it that the leader, the priest were supposed to do. They were not only to be totally submitted to God, but next week we're going to see that they were to reveal God's glory. So as always, beloved, as I close, we if you have any questions from this week's lesson, this is your opportunity to share those questions. Please drop them in the comment section. Of course, do not forget, I am actually teaching the live in-person class at this hour. Um, and so if you are watching a replay, drop your questions in the comment section. I'll be notified of your question and I'll be glad to come back and answer your questions to the best of my ability. I thank God for this opportunity. I am certainly grateful and thankful to God for this privilege to be able to share God's word with you. I pray that you have received something from this lesson today as we continue to talk about spiritual leadership, spiritual leadership, what you should look for in spiritual leadership. Oftentimes we are so hard on pastors and preachers. The pew is hard on the pulpit because the pew does not understand the responsibility to God that comes in the pulpit. And that's why it is so important that this teaching is necessary. In the way of announcements, don't forget, beloveds, tonight, 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 there will be no rebroadcast of Bible study tonight. Tonight at seven o'clock, we will be live from the sanctuary of St. James Church as we take on the second installment of our fall revival. Uh, tonight, last week, Dr. J. Vincent Terry blessed us in a great way, and we are excited tonight to have my dear friend and my brother, the Reverend Dr. Mark Thomas Gibson, who pastors the Redeeming Love Missionary Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. He will be with us tonight at seven o'clock, along with his praise team and others from Redeeming Love. We're going to have an awesome time of worship and praise to God. Certainly looking forward to it. Don't forget the doors open. Um, at 6.15, our intercessors will be on the floor praying. You're invited to come in and join them in that time of prayer and seeking God and preparing your heart, your mind, and your spirit for worship. Worship will begin promptly from the pulpit at 7 o'clock tonight. Um, it's my desire to get things moving promptly at seven so that we can put the man of God up at a decent time and still have time to worship and then get home at a, at a, a decent time as well. So by all means, St. James family, I'm looking for you tonight. As I often say, as I travel doing revivals, St. James Missionary Baptist Church is in revival this week. And if anybody ought to be at St. James Missionary Baptist Church's revival, it ought to be the members of St. James Missionary Baptist Church present at St. James Missionary Baptist Church's revival. I look to see you tonight um, at seven o'clock as we worship the Lord together. Don't forget the other announcements as they are held for the rest of the week. We look forward to seeing all of you as we celebrate this coming Sunday. It is Men's Day at St. James Church. We are certainly excited and looking forward to a great, grand, and glorious time of worship and praise. Um, it is my assignment this year. Uh, to share the word of the Lord. And I'm excited. God has given me a great word uh, based upon the life of Adam. Uh, as we continue in our message series on Adam, I'm excited to share what God has given me to share. And I would love to see your face in the place this coming Sunday morning as we celebrate and thank God for men. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. We pray that you are blessed. Take care of yourselves. Have a wonderful rest of the day, rest of the week. Continue to keep our sick and our shut in and those who are sad and bereavement. Continue to keep them in your thoughts and in your prayers that God would continue to bless them and keep them in his keeping care. Let's prepare now to close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I say thank you for this time. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. God, I ask you right now to help us as pastors and leaders of your church to walk according to your will and your way. God, help us to know that our orders, our steps are ordered by you and help us to walk it out, to do it your way, God. 
Help us not to be afraid of people's faces. Help us to preach in season and out of season. Help us to rebuke, to exhort, to correct God with love, with patience, and with teaching. Show us the way to serve your people and help us never to forget that in serving your people, we are ultimately serving you. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you for this chance. Bless us and we'll be blessed. Keep us and we'll be kept. And we want to be found continually giving your name, the praise, the glory, and all of the honor. This is my prayer. I offer it now in the name of Jesus. We pray, we praise, and we proclaim amen, amen, and amen. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. We pray the God's blessings upon you the rest of the day, the rest of the week. Looking forward to seeing you tonight in revival. And until next Tuesday, it is my will, but it's got to be the will of God that we look forward to being together again next week for another walk through the word of God. Don't forget Thursday morning and Thursday evening. Don't forget our New Testament word walk as we are studying the book of Colossians and the New Testament word walk. Thursdays at 11.30 a.m. and at 7 p.m. on all of our streaming platforms as well as the telephone conference line. Until next week, be blessed and know as always, beloved, we love you all.